Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lean Toss-Up College Football Podcast Week 9. I am joined, of course, of course, by my co-host at Buckmetrics, and we're here for Part 2. If you want to go back and listen to Part 1, uh, we basically recap uh, what happened uh, in, in, in Week 8. We talk about a lot of the games and, and the scores and, and implications for a lot of those going forward. Here we're going to talk in Part 2. Uh, we're going to do our Narduzzi's, our Narduzzi Awards of the Week, our deep dives, and our picks uh, for, for Week 9. So, uh, what, what have you got here for our Narduzzi's for this, for this week? Okay, well, if you if you missed it in part one, we actually had a an interesting conversation about Akron and their um you know the sneaky progress they're making. So, I've got a quote here from Akron first year head coach Joe Moorhead after a tough one score loss to Kent State. Quote: We have good players. We are right there. We are not getting run out of the stadium. You make a play or two, and you can get over the hump. It's ins- inspirational. Very inspirational by uh, Akron. Yeah. Uh, except you know what? I don't know if you know this. Yeah, I do actually. That was not Joe Moorhead. That was Jimbo Fisher, fifth-year <laughs> head coach of Texas A&M after losing to South Carolina. Is this what they are paying for? Not getting run out of the stadium against South Carolina? God, I mean, again, we were on we were on South Carolina plus three and a half, and the money line cashed relatively easily. Again, it's just stuff. This should not be happening. Like it's just like. They're earning so much money. I, I I can't like and not not the players per se. Like Jimbo Fisher obviously is earning like they they should be doing better than this. South Carolina is not a sneakily good team. Like they should no. not be. This should not be happening. They should be able to beat teams like South Carolina relatively easily. These should not be close games. Yeah, I you know somebody mentioned to me. I can't believe this. Um, have you seen Spencer um, Rattler's stats for this season? No. They are brutal. Let me just pull this up real quick. Um, just horrible. Well, um, the thing is, uh, as, you, as you're calling up, I'll just kind of add something to this, yeah. too. There are still people online who are talking. Cause they're, I mean, to be fair, I, I actually I absolutely do love PFF. I think they're the, some of the smartest people in the industry, not just in on the college side, and the NFL side. But I'm still seeing people drag them on Twitter for their graphic of last year, saying about like potential round one NFL quarterbacks, <laughs> like their 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 number one quarterback was Spencer Rattler. Now, I mean, here's the thing: we could talk about Spencer Rattler in a second, but like that is in no way on PFF, right? They are talking; they are basically coordinating player grades and hype by draft. Like, so that's not you cannot say PFF is a bad company because at one point last year they thought Spencer Rattler was a good quarterback. Like, that's not that is not on PFF at all. But at the same time, though, man, like just the the fall from grace. I mean, right? We were talk. They were talk. There was talk. Serious talk. Again, PFF is a serious outlet of Spencer Rattler being a top whatever draft pick this year. He got benched in favor of Caleb Williams, who looks amazing now in in USC. And 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 what what are his stats for this year? Now you go ahead with the stats. Here we go. Completion percentage sixty three point six. Good uh, yards per attempt seven and a half. Good. Five touchdowns and eight interceptions. Um, not too often you see the more interceptions than touchdowns. I'm not a huge believer in, in number of touchdown passes for quarterbacks, but, you know, when, when you've got almost twice as many interceptions, that's a problem. Yeah. And um, Jimbo and his defense couldn't beat that guy. Really well done, Jimbo. 
just yeah, I I this <laughs> this A and M team like, again they lose by six to South Carolina, which again like sure okay maybe they almost won, but again the three and a half was never in question, right? So this yeah. is it, it's crazy that again like okay so Haynes King actually had a not horrible day actually you know Connor Wiegman he was also not bad too. They threw for 269 yards, which is actually pretty high for them, and they ran for 129. <laughs> actually, they did out game expectations. So, yeah, they actually, I mean, yeah, like, wow, they threw for almost 300 yards in a college football game. That's crazy. But, like, that's that's high for them. But, like, yeah, they actually did out gain South Carolina. But, again, though, like, just, it, it, there's so little execution on this team. They they just don't know what they're doing. It's just, it's crazy. I, I want to repeat what you just said. Wow, they actually outgained South Carolina. <laughs> We're not saying, yeah, they actually outgained Tennessee. Wow, they outgained Georgia. <laughs> they outgained South Carolina. Well, th- th- well there's, done. There's two prongs to that, right? Because it's on one hand, it's like, I'm saying that as a fact, but also, like, I'm surprised by that fact. I'm like, wow, they actually, I yeah. can't believe they did that. Like, that's that's yeah. the level of expectation on this team. And it's <laughs> it's it's just completely insane how, how far we've come from. I mean, there was serious again. There was serious talk about this Texas A&M team and how this Texas A&M team might actually be not like, might be an actually pretty half decent team. And yeah, what were they preseason fifth? Something like it was obviously like fraud, super fraudulent, but like there was talk about them eventually competing for a national championship in a couple of years, and like we're we're not there now. No. <laughs> Maybe they're getting all the losses out of the way. Yes. Um. <laughs> so. Okay, my second Narduzzi. Um, this kind of pains me because he was a very good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He went into a rough spot at Eastern Michigan and really struggled there. Purdue defensive coordinator Ron English. Um, just going to tell you that Graham Mertz was 13 of 21 for over 200 yards. Not acceptable. They They did pretty much crush Purdue, though, which was weird. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they did lose to Purdue, but like again, yeah. Graham Mertz had a actually not horrible day, which is not you're not supposed to do that. Like that's like a sixty some percent completion percentage. Like almost ten per attempt. Yeah. What happened to the Purdue defense? Yeah. On English, I liked you. I don't like you as much now. Yeah, this Purdue team again massively underperforming. Like I had this as a I had this as a pick. I picked Purdue. Just massive underperformance. Just and again, this this Wisconsin team is now super Jekyll and Hyde, right? Like they they come out there and they're like, okay, we're gonna absolutely crush Northwestern. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. It was Northwestern. Good Join job to you. Lose to Michigan State in overtime, which they should have lost in regular in regulation to Michigan State, but then they had to drag it out to overtime. They lose to seven and a half point favorites. Then they crush Purdue as basically even. So like. Is 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 Wisconsin gonna get blown out this week? Like is that? I think that's the next logical progression here. I I think I don't know. They may not plan to actually play this week. So, but it's this this Wisconsin team is just so Jekyll and Hyde. I have no idea what they're what they're gonna do next. Well, in fairness, their quarterback, you know, um, yeah, you can't rely on him to do any other than well, he didn't throw interception this game, so we can't even count on him to do that all the time now. I that, yeah, I remember saying that. I'm like, oh, I should bet on him for the interception prop, and I was like, nah, you know, I wouldn't. And thank God I didn't because he didn't get it. He's Graham Mertz is consistently inconsistent. Yeah. All right, my next Narduzzi. Um, this this program has an interim coach. Um, I can tell you that they are definitely not going to hire Scott Frost. University of Alabama Birmingham is four and zero in games decided by fourteen or more points. 
Oh, and three in games decided by one score. <laughs> That's not fun. That that is not fun. No, that again. That you make the Scott Frost joke there because that is eerily reminiscent of of our our, our favorite ex coach of of Nebraska, Scott Frost, right? And it's like, I think we're st- like in in the NFL when you have a team, an NFL team that loses a bunch of one score games. There's a lot of like hype paid to them because it's like, oh well, assuming average performance, those one score wins or one score losses will kind of even out. But maybe like there is something to that one score loss in college where like coaching does count. Like you can stack up yeah. an entire score to that to to the to a good coach or not, right? And maybe there is something more to that on a college football level. Like I think a lot of the analysis is like, okay, well, if like say one team loses a bunch of one score games one year, then the next year maybe they'll win more of them than lose them, right? So maybe they'll go they'll get opposite luck. Maybe in college, maybe that's not necessarily a uh that's not necessarily indicative of, of a good coach. Maybe it's like if you're a bad coach, you'll lose those one-score games, and then you'll just continue losing them, right? In particular, in this case, you've got a first-time head coach who's taken over for Bill Clark, who was just an awesome, totally underrated all-time head coach. Um, so I think there's a lot of that in play, too, where this guy's just going to figure out what it is to be a head coach. Uh, lastly, <clears throat> New Mexico has scored 18 points in the last two games. Why do I bring that up? Well, two, that's basically since they fired their offensive coordinator. Clapping for them. Good job. Way to turn it around, guys. Nine points a game. Everything's going great down in uh, New Mexico. That guy was definitely the problem. <laughs> yes. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have a deeper dive? Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about the Heisen race. So, at about this point when we're definitely past the midseason point, um, definitely towards the later part of the season, this is where the Heisman race starts getting starts heating up, right? And and obviously the the line surprisingly at the top at least haven't moved a ton. After kind of I think after ever since basically week two when when Texas almost upset Alabama, Bryce Young has fallen pretty far. So I'll just give a state of the board right now. You've got CJ Stroud at minus one ten. Very high basically the fav the favorite at minus one ten. Basically pricing at about sixty ish, fifty sixty 55, 60%, give or take, somewhere around there. Then you've got Hendon Hooker, 2-1, to one, about 30%. Then it, it tapers off far. Then you've got Caleb Williams at 12-1. to one. Blake Corum, that's the running back from Michigan. He's at 14-1. to one. Bryce Young, obviously, from Alabama, 20-1. to one. And then Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon, 35-1. to one. Then you've got some further one out. You've got Jameer Gibbs, 40-1. to one. Stetson Bennett, 40-1. to one. And Drake Mane, 40-1. to one. Spencer Sanders fifty to one, Hartman fifty to one, and then Max Dugan TCU fifty one. I'll I'll stop it there because that's kind of the last one I really want to talk about. So going back in the CFP era, which is again only really existed since twenty seventeen, in the twenty seventeen era, anybody who has won the Heisman has been on a team that has made the college football playoff since the since the since the CFP era. So twenty seventeen, Baker Mayfield won the Heisman. That was in Oklahoma. They went to the CFP. 2018, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma. They went to the CFP. Joe mm. Burrow went to the CFP and won it. In 2019, he was the Heisman. 2020, Devonta Smith from Alabama. That was the year with Mac Jones and Devonta Smith and uh, Najee Harris. They won, that was the year that they went. Um, they won the, the whole. Th- he won the high. Devonta Smith won the Heisman. They won the whole thing. Last year, it was Bryce Young and Alabama team that again went to the went to the finals but lost 
to um, Georgia in the finals. So generally what you want to look for is you want to look for a team, a player on a team that is one of the best players in the game, but also on one of the best teams in the game. So again, kind of like the MVP as well, which is, again, I fundamentally hate awards like this. I fundamentally hate the concept of that MVP is defined as the best player on one of the best teams rather than just the best player, period. Um, and I've had this conversation a lot in Call of Duty because it's very clearly like there's a really good player on a bad team, but then they don't get any note. They don't get any notice for MVP. So, but again, same kind of here. So, how, what are we looking at this here? Well, you can functionally treat basically any one of these bets as additionally a bet on that team to make the college football playoff, right? So, for example, C.J. Stroud minus one ten to win the Heisman. So that implies that you've got about a sixty percent chance of Ohio State making it to the CFP. So that now to do that, they need to beat Penn State this week. Probably will. They're 15 and a half point favorites. <clears throat> then they've got to beat Michigan in the last regular season game of, uh, in, in the, basically the big game, the last game of the, re- the last week of the regular season. But then if they do don't, they? Hmm? sorry. Oh, okay. I think you're going. Yeah. 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 If they, if they don't win that game, then their season is done functionally. Then they're going to a bowl game and they won't win it. But if they, they have to beat Michigan and then they just have to clean up whatever's left of the big 10 West, then, then he probably would win that. So that's, you're basically betting minus 110 on a money line bet of Ohio state versus Penn state, Ohio state versus Michigan. And then whatever Ohio state versus whatever comes out of the big 10 West. That's not great. I would say, because again, now to be fair, Ohio state is massively favored in those games. But as we talked about earlier in part one, CJ Stroud has had problems against half decent defenses. One of those most notably was actually Penn state last year and also Michigan last year. Right. I mean, again, I know we're not really allowed to talk about a particular team <laughs> offense, but like, again, and I'll, I'll very briefly kind of touch on this. How close, how much closer is that game? If they're actually able to put on any sort of offensive pressure at all, right? They don't lose by yeah. 44, right? If they're able to put on a long drive and shorten the game clock and actually score Bryce Young is actually under pressure. And, and that's a problem. And if, they, if there isn't a pick six, like CJ Stroud would actually be put under pressure and he could crack. And again, this week against Penn State, 15 and a half, I'm not touching it. I think it's a couple too many points. But again, I could be wrong. But again, if if, Penn, if, if Ohio State loses to Penn State, then your minus 110 is gone. Now, Hendon Hooker, again, this is an interesting one, two to one. That's actually basically their price to make the CFP. If you look at, I've, I've bet, I have uh, props to mm-hmm. make the playoff. Ohio State is minus six hundred to make the playoffs. So um, Tennessee is plus one seventy five to make the playoffs. Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman is two to one. Now Hendon Hooker is interesting because your ba- this this two to one bet is functionally a either they beat Georgia in 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 two weeks, and then they beat Alabama or. SEC West team, probably likely Alabama, or the bet would be they lose to Georgia and then Georgia beats Alabama. Because if Georgia were to beat Alabama, you would then probably have a Georgia and a Tennessee team in the college football playoff, and then two loss Alabama would would stay home. So you're only getting plus 200 on those things to happen, which I don't think any of them are like particularly likely because, I mean, currently Georgia is 11-point favorites against Tennessee. And like you're you're good. eleven points is a fi- is is functionally a what eleven points is what at least three to one. You're not getting like you're at least getting three to one on on, on a ten point dog. 
So yeah. if you really want that, just bet Tennessee money line against Georgia. Because if they lose to Georgia, he's not going to win the Heisman. So then we get to Caleb Williams, 12 to 1. Well, the problem is that is, is he going to make the college football playoff? Eh, that's a little iffy. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. He could, but he needs some chaos to happen. Blake Corum, Michigan. This isn't that bad, right? He's looked pretty mm-hmm. good. He's been a great running back. Sometime now in the modern era, and is and defining modern as only from 2017 on, they've given it to uh, four quarterbacks, one wide receiver. The last time they gave it to a running back was 2015, but that was literally Derrick Henry. So tough, 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 tough task there. The last one was 20, 2009 with Alabama, Mark Ingram, right? So usually these are going to quarterbacks. And then again, before that was Reggie Bush, 2005. So again, unless you're one of the greatest running backs ever of all time, you're generally not getting this award, but he could be right. Bryce young, 20 to one. I'm have a lot of questions about this Alabama team. I'm not loving it. Bo Nix, 35 to one. That's a little tempting, but the problem with that is that 35 to one probably also for, means that you're going to have to get a Clemson loss in there somewhere because if not a, an undefeated Clemson will get it. And you probably also need some chaos to happen in the big 12. Now to be fair, it's the big 12 chaos is their sport as well. So generally chaos will happen, but I mean, that's the next kind of bet to look at TCU uh, Max Duggan 50 to one. That's not bad. Like, if if you if you have an undefeated TCU, if you have let's say an undefeated Georgia and a one loss Tennessee, or you have an undefeated Tennessee, a one loss Georgia and a two loss Bama, and like a one loss undefeated Ohio State or an undefe- like I kind of think an undefeated TCU gets in there. I think, but this is where the rankings will matter, right? Like I think TCU can finish the regular season undefeated. And at that point, I think if they do, then I think Max Duggan could be the the Heisman winner. I think, especially if they make the if they make the college football playoff. But like, if not, I think Bo Nix might be. And then if not, but like, I just I don't want to lay the plus two hundred with Hendon Hooker because if they just lose to Georgia, then you're dead, right? What 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 are your thoughts on it? What, what, what I've said? Do you would you do you agree with anything I said or not? Yeah, that's interesting. Um... First of all, when I was trying to pull up Max Dugan's stats, apparently there was a movie that came out in 1983 called Max Dugan Returns. Um, don't know how that hasn't made its way into this conversation as far as... Might, might, be, a very bad, might be a very bad movie. Yeah, I'm guessing so. I didn't know that Max Dugan left. Um, he's got some really good stats. Um, I think... I think he wasn't really starting the season. Their their start at the beginning of the no, season, though. No, he wasn't. He's trying to pull up the game log, and I don't know if that helps or not. Um, Big 12 is a good conference this year. Um, I think, you know, I would have never, ever, ever. I mean, I stopped writing after Bo Nix, just to show you, like, my first inclination. Yeah, I think there's value there. I think, you know, is is he a likely winner? No. Is he more likely than his odds imply? Yeah. Um, who do they have yet to play? Um, this is um, interesting. They'll have, they haven't played Texas yet, but I'm not. Okay. We'll, not we'll get to that in a second. Don't worry. I've got that covered. Well, no, yeah. In terms of, <laughs> in terms of just who they have to play, they do have to play Texas, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the most worried about Texas. Uh-huh. Um, let's see who else they have. They have West Virginia, Texas tech, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa state. So they've played the tougher end of the uh, of the Big 12, right? They've played Oklahoma. They played Kansas. They played Oklahoma State. They played Kansas State. 
like that's they played four straight weeks of ranked opponents, right? They've got West Virginia this week. That's not bad. Yeah. They got Texas Tech again. Pretty good there. Texas again. At home. Yeah. Yep. That could be the that could be the Steve Sarkeesian is fired game. Uh then you've got Baylor. Then you've got Iowa State. So like, yeah, no, I like like there's a ton of tape of 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 Max Duggan scoring passing touchdowns. He's looked amazing in a lot of these plays. Like 19 touchdowns, one interception. That's really good stats. Like that is, um, you know, also that game at Texas. If you know, if Texas hasn't just come completely gunned on the elevator shaft, that could be maybe a big-ish game. And he throws for like 500 yards, which wouldn't be out of the question since they don't really like to slow it down <laughs> as a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I, yeah, you make a compelling case. The other, the other one that I think, um, I'm probably believe a little more than you is Corum. He doesn't have awesome stats, but I think with that finale against Ohio state, if he goes nuts now in part one, I said that Ohio state might have the best defense of all time. Um, <laughs> That might have something to do with I don't I don't remember who they played, but maybe it had something to do with the quality of the opponent. Um, I think if Corum has like a 200 yard game, and if Michigan actually wins, wins. by a, a you know a not a close one, but you know if they really run away with it, that could. I I I think, and this is from somebody who's who's had Ohio State number one all season and has them with a preseason ticket to win the national championship. Um, I'll put it this way: fourteen to one doesn't seem um, representative of the likelihood of that happening. I think that that's more likely um, than is implied by fourteen to one. And, and you do raise an interesting point about that too. And I had kind of forgotten about this point. And again, this is the thing, right? Ohio State has not been tested so far this year, with the only exception being Notre Dame, who had a good defense. And then again, last week they were tested for the first half against another good defense, Penn State. This week. Remember their two losses last year, right? It was Oregon and Michigan. What did they do? Ran the ball. How many rushing yards did Oregon have in that game against them? How? Do, do, I mean, do you remember? Do you remember the big game last year? How many times did we see Gus Johnson yelling out uh, Hassan Haskins? Like, how many times did that happen? Right. This is the thing. If there is a, t- and again, they are weak to the run on defense, and they struggle against elite defenses. That's kind of Michigan's thing, right? Yeah. So, like, and this is why I'm a little skeptical of this Ohio State team. I, I think C.J. Stroud is a good player. But, again, see, this is the thing, right? And, and this is where we need to see the committee and, and how they're going to do it. Now, again, this is why it's really dumb because in a 12-playoff year, all these like all these teams should make it. We should see Ohio State and Michigan and Tennessee and Bama and Oregon and even USC. We should see all those teams in here. We shouldn't be worried about the about a fraudulent Clemson team potentially making it because they keep winning close one-score games against mediocre teams, right? We shouldn't have to worry about whether or not that Clemson team is going to get in, right? We should be we should like at this point and again, they're they're talking about this for 2024. So maybe only one more year of this. But like we we should be ha- we should be talking now about like oh man you know what's going to be great that TCU versus Clemson game is going to be awesome right we shouldn't have to be worrying about like praying for North Carolina yeah. to beat Clemson to hope that we don't have to see this fraudulent Clemson team like that's the thing and it's it, thank God we're going to get this fixed they they're going to fix this soon 
but like it, that that the 12 team playoff can't come soon enough in my opinion exactly hey one other thing in support of the case for quorum um I I don't have stats, but I'm just going to infer this. I think that Harbaugh is really preferring to run the ball in the red zone, given that Corum has 13 rushing touchdowns, and as a team, Michigan has only 11 passing touchdowns. So um, I think that there's a path, too, where he can just run up some gaudy touchdown numbers as well as yardage. Um, I don't think 2,000 yards in, like, maybe, God, like 25 or 27 touchdowns is out of the— out of the realm. Yeah. You have that. And then if you have a big win over Ohio state, that's. Well, then at that point, then you just, you get to clean up whatever's out of the S the, um, the sec, the big 10 West. Right. And then you're in the playoff and yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. So at God, who knows who's going to make oh. the playoff at that point, but oh, Michigan state definitely, like Michigan definitely will. Right. So yeah, I'm not, I think, I think you've convinced me on the, cause again, this week they're playing Michigan State, right? He could run up some, num- rack up some numbers against that pretty bad Michigan State defense, right? So, yeah, I think you've convinced me on a Blake Corum play and a Max Dugan play. Let's see. Let, let, let's, let's go with it. Yeah. I'm curious what my guy has that has him at. I'll, I'll look that up uh, later. Yeah. All right. My deeper dive. So, Saturday, as we talked about in part one in passing or more yes. than passing. Texas lost to Oklahoma State 41 to 31. They gave a 14 point lead, which they had kind of late in the third quarter. And they were called for 14 penalties. Um, just to remind everybody, the weekend before that, they were extremely, extremely lucky to beat last place Iowa State at home. Um, literally, a wide receiver jumped for a ball he didn't need to jump for, dropped it. Um, he makes that catch. He walks into the end zone, and Iowa State wins. Um, and a quick point there, they were 14 yes. and a half point favors in that game too. Just, just putting yes. the one more nail in the coffin there. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, and Iowa state is winless in conference play too. This wasn't like they did this against TCU. And I remarked, that's what, that's what Sark does. And we had a good chuckle about that because that's what Sark is great at is making us chuckle. So what exactly is it when I say that's what Sark does? What does that mean? What exactly is it that Sark does? So. First of all, when you hire Sark, he's going to increase the talent level. Um, he recruits at an elite level, which makes this whole thing even more maddening, but we have to give him that. Um, his teams commit a lot of penalties. At Washington, this is where his teams ranked nationally in penalties. 86, 79th, 89th, 120th, 119th. Then his full season at USC, they ranked 122nd. Um, I can't chop up the following season where he was there part of the time, but I can tell you that they were heavily penalized as well in 2015. So what is what happens? Um, the penalties and just being outcoached allows these lesser talented teams, which pretty much most teams are once he's got his guys in there. It allows these lesser talented teams to hang around. Um, Prior to coming to Texas, so when we're talking at Washington, I'm throwing out 2009 and 2010 because I'm going to grant him that he came He came into a really rough situation. I think Washington was 0-12 the season before he came on board. So I'll, I'll, I'll strike 2009 and 10 from this analysis just to be fair to him. So starting from 2011 and moving forward, prior to coming to Texas, when he was favored by 10 to 20 points, he is 1-9 against the spread. Um I, and I can tell you firsthand as a USC fan, that doesn't surprise me at all. I'm trying to remember the one that probably happened when he was at Washington. Um, I doubt it happened when he was at USC. 
when he was a road favorite of 14 or more points. He was one and two straight up. Um, the FBS average is to win over 90% of the time. Um, so he's just got this knack for really underperforming with very, very talented teams. You know, if you also look at his two recruiting classes at USC, there are, I think just in two classes, he's probably got about seven or eight guys that, that made the NFL, if not more. Um, and he, you know, he's losing to Boston college. He's losing to Arizona state because he doesn't teach his guys to knock the ball down on fourth and goal when the clock is expiring against horrible Arizona state anyways. So, um, he's let go at USC. I'm very glad he's sober. I hope he stays sober. I wish him nothing but best when it comes to that. He, you know, goes to Atlanta. He goes to Nick Saban, and I don't know what he learns there. He learns probably as much as apparently Jeremy Prudent learned um, coaching for Nick Saban. So he gets hired by Texas. And so what happens in Texas? Well, more of the same. In conference games, the Big 12 is a pretty even conference. You've got, you know, kind of two good teams at the top. Although if we look realistically, you've probably got one superiorly talented team in Oklahoma and a superior talented underperforming team in Texas forever. So in big 12 games, since he's come five and nine against the spread on the road, he is one in five in road games against the spread. Um, how is he being out coached? What, what's some more evidence in the big 12 road games? This is insane. He's outscored by opponents 51 to 27 in the third quarter. He has not won a single quarter in any of those road games. <laughs> not one. It's unbelievable. You, you can't, can't even follow it backwards into like a scoop and score or something. Uh, and let's not forget at home last season, he lost as a 31 point home favorite to Kansas. Um, in, in when one you of the have, greatest games of all time. <laughs> it was. It was awesome. I, you know, in my data, I looked up when, when home teams are favored by 28 to 35. Um, the home team wins 97% of the time. And again, he found his way to be an outlier to the negative. So when I talk about this is what Sark does, that's what Sark does. And you look at the road woes that he has, look at the schedule. They still have road games against Kansas and Kansas State. I mean, these fit the profile to a T. Lesser talented, but extremely well-coached teams. Keep your eye on those two games coming going forward. Yeah, here's a side note here, but you will not be able to keep me from betting on Kansas against, like, <laughs> not a chance. Like, I there is nothing that I, like, I will 100, like, the second I see a line, I will bet it, and then just again, and again, like, I, like, I don't, like, that is going to be an amazing game, just, it's just fantastic. I, I cannot wait until until that game. It's going to be amazing. Because the thing of it is, this Kansas team is actually good. Like this this Kansas team. I mean, they've they've had yeah. a rough couple weeks, but like they're still gonna go. They're probably gonna go to a bowl. It's just still like a. It's just it's crazy how like good this team. Like and and again, it's like. I mean, I don't think this 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 Texas team is going to blow badly enough until then. But like, there, there there's a chance that you, you're you're definitely going to get points with TC, like a thought, like with, with Kansas. Like, there is yeah. no way that T, the Kansas is going to be laying points. But like, there, I could definitely see them winning the game, like a hundred percent. So I I, I just Absolutely. I cannot wait to see what that spread's going to be. I, I'm so excited to, to see what the spread's going to be. Likewise, and to your point, um, I think there's going to be. God bless him. He's trying hard. There's going to be a lot of Jason Bean built into the year-to-date uh, stats. And if they especially get Jalen Daniels back and he's not rusty, 
watch out. Oh, yeah. um, that is a coaching mismatch of the highest order. Lance Leipold against Sark. And just looking at the schedule, they're they're off this week. They're at Kansas State, which is not going to be an easy game. Then they host TCU. They're going to be so up for that game. And then you have to go to at Kansas. Now, oh. they're not going to overlook <laughs> Kansas because Kansas beat them. But there's going to be some letdown. Um after that TCU game, especially if TCU go- comes into that game undefeated, win or lose, there's going to be a, somehow there's going to be a. It's a, it's kind of a rough um, break for Texas in that your revenge game is going to be in such a, you know, uh, I guess I call it refractory period game, <laughs> where you've just kind of had this huge home game against TCU. It's, one yeah, one thing yeah. I will say is that Texas currently is still. Second favorites to win the Big Twelve at plus two twenty five. Yeah. TCU is the is the favorite, obviously at plus one twenty. So they're still even, basically functionally even. Then you've got Texas at at plus two twenty five, Oklahoma State at three hundred, and Kansas State eight hundred, and then just goes further from there. But like, how is Texas still the second? Like, did did that just mean nothing? Just like ah, it's fine. <laughs> like what? Like how much liability is on this Texas team? Like, is there that much liability on this Texas team that they literally can't move them that far until they're like literally mathematically be like, oh, Texas is three to one. Oh, they're good. Oh, they lost. They're mathematically eliminated from the Big 12. So now they're now they're like, we don't give you a line now. Like, is that is that where we need to get? It like, could it could literally be because um, this happened. I mean, it happens at USC traditionally and until now. Um, why hang a bigger number when people are you know, so much the public's going to take that side anyways. Why not just put it at a, at a number where you're going to wind up and, get, you know, get the same amount of volume anyways. That's fair, right? Yeah. What, what, okay, what would you put the fair number at? Like, if you were to make that line right now, like an actual fair number. For them to win the Big 12. Yeah. God. I I would book, I would, I would book action at probably plus 1500 15 i go eight i go plus eight i go eight eight to one because there is like a mathematical path and like outside of tcu like yes but this is the thing right this line implies that like tcu is laying like a field goal maybe maybe like is texas isn't favored against tcu are they no no there's no but then why is tcu plus 120 then is it just like cumulative probability that like they'd lose a couple of games? What is? They just beat Oklahoma State. They've beaten Oklahoma State and Kansas State. The both two two lost teams. Well, yeah, TCU but then they should be. Is it just cumulative probability because they could theoretically, if they lost to like Texas or something, and then lost to like if they had like two losses on their schedule, they could get locked out by like Oklahoma State or something? Is that what it's saying? But you'd have to – well, they have the tiebreaker against Kansas State. And they actually have the tiebreaker against Oklahoma State too. Yeah. So I got nothing. I don't yeah. know the... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Texas Texas loses the tiebreaker to Oklahoma State. I mean, at a very minimum, they have to, have to, have to, have to win at Kansas State. I mean, they have to win out. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to get there with three because they've just – they've had too many bad losses. I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah I would definitely book. If you're gonna say what you know, what would you book basically for Texas to go undefeated the rest of the way, which is kind of what they have to do at this point. Plus two twenty five, yeah. apparently. I if, at fifteen to one, I I feel very comfortable doing that, and maybe I lay some of that off on some high exposure games as hedges. Yeah. 
but yeah, that doesn't, yeah, well, BBMI market's well, not then, caught up to just what this no, coach is. No, a hundred percent. But then at that point, then if like, cause we're so far off of book market, then is that implying that a TCU line would have Texas favored? At Texas? Um, is that implying I, that my TCU's reaction is, points? I hope so. I mean, I, I would I, love that. I would love nothing more than to, to wake up on that Sunday and, and, and see like TCU plus three and a half would be like immediately, like the entire account be like, here you go. Like, give me point. If we're getting points with TCU, that's insane. Like, God, that would be amazing. But like, I think yeah. that's what that line is. Like that line has to imply that it's gotta be at least close. Like it's either like TCU getting points or TCU minus like two and a half or something. Either way, we're betting that whatever that is, but yeah. man, just Wow. That's gonna be interesting times. But yeah, maybe maybe a play on TCU to win the Big Twelve isn't bad either. Like plus one twenty, there's still some value there. Like they're probably gonna make the championship game, and then you're getting them at plus one twenty to win the title. Like they should probably be favorites in that. Like probably minus two hundred in the championship game. So yeah, probably some value there. Okay, our official podcast plays. So unfortunately, they did, the official podcast plays did not go great last week, but our games, the model plays did a bit, bit better. Uh, they were two seven last week. Our podcast plays are twenty five and twenty on the season. Some bad ones that came up, but some games that were close though last week. So let's let's hopefully get back on track. So for me this week, I've got actually oh, I just hit a button here. Okay. I've got, for my first play, I've got Louisiana, Lafayette's, or as in, 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 in CMB 365, the Thursday night game, UL Lafayette at Southern Mississippi, plus one or money line. Pick your poison. It doesn't really matter that much. Uh, I've This UL Lafayette team is actually pretty good. They're, the money line's minus 105, or the, the plus one is, is, minus one, is minus 110. Either way, whatever way you want that. I, I kind of just think UL Lafayette's a better team. They took down uh, Marshall a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the Southern Miss team. My model has, as Louisiana as, as a bigger favorite and I'm kind of, uh, I don't mind taking them. I, it's a nice Thursday night game. I think this week's Thursday game, Thursday night NFL game, even though it's between the Ravens and the, the Bucks, that's actually secretly pretty bad. I think the, the Ravens should probably crush them. So yeah, give me the, uh, give me the. Give me the the cage rage and cajuns against uh, Southern Miss. I think that they could uh, they could do really well in that game. Just so you understand, you're going against the only team that's beaten Tulane this year. Don't uh, say you weren't warned. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> but like I, I I think this Louisiana team is like they've kind of found their footing recently. Like they they did lose to South Alabama, but they only lost to South Alabama by three. Then they beat Marshall by ten. Then they crushed Arkansas State by twenty. Um, Old yeah. Miss, Southern Miss only beat Arkansas State by one, and both of them hosted them at home. So that's a huge disparity, and that's just a couple weeks apart. They actually just literally just a week apart, and they did beat Tech. Southern Miss did beat Texas State, but only by six. So I think I'll take the I'll take the Raging Cajuns on the on the road. Yeah, and Louisiana first time head coach, very very young team that lost almost everything from their really good team last season. So I could see them taking a while to figure out how to play this season. So yep. Agree with you there. Um, I'm going Illinois, and I don't know if this has moved since. I think it's maybe up to seven and a half now, given seven and a half at Nebraska. Yeah. Does that sound right? At seven, I okay. believe it's seven and a half now. I looked I looked today. I could only get a seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I got it at seven when it dropped on. My guy dropped it on Sunday. Um, I just, you know, Illinois, my model has them as a top five team in all of FBS. 
Um, my model does not have Nebraska as a top five team in all of FBS. Um, also, Illinois, by far the best defense in all of FBS this season. So I'm also taking the under 51 and a half. Yeah, I actually, I really like this play too. I think, um, I, 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 I don't, I feel like this, like, I, I feel like the minus seven and minus seven and a half are basically the same. Like, I, I don't think we're going to get to a point where Nebraska is going to just cover, like, they're probably either going to make this a really, really close game or, like, Illinois is going to blow them out. And I probably think it's probably closer to the Illinois blow. This Illinois team is, like, actually sneakily pretty good. Not sneakily, people kind of clued into them being pretty good. But this is the Nebraska team, although they're, like, frisky at times, they're just, they're just not as good as this, uh, as this Nebraska. There's not as good as an Illinois team this year, at least. Um, my next play is an interesting one, kind of an, an oldie but, but goodie for me. Coastal Carolina plus two or money line at Marshall. Um, yeah, again, Coastal Carolina, again, a team that might, my, my, again, I, we said this last week, when they're either sh- small dogs or laying small points, lay the points, but when they're big dogs, um, take the, basically bet against them. Like they were eleven and a half or something point favorites against Old Dominion, lost outright this week. Short spread, you take Coastal uh, the plus two or the money line. I don't understand why we're giving so much, why the books are having so much faith in this Marshall team. I just don't think the books can actually figure out Coastal Carolina at all. I've got Coastal Carolina by like ten point favorites here, and I think they got they were they're coming off a bye. I think they'll be able to figure it out and, and beat this Marshall team that. Like I think there's a lot of still this Marshall beat Notre Dame kind of sheen on this Marshall team, and I think we're slowly beating it off in the last couple of weeks. So I think, yeah, I think we're gonna, I think Coastal could definitely beat them. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a lot of that win at South Bend still built it, built bit baked into the Marshall met- metrics here. I agree. I think you mentioned in part one, Coastal's kind of, um, you know, like you said, when you when you less expect it, that's when they will will win it and if you're their dog here getting points with them is is a good spot to be in i think for sure my next one um it's kind of a broken record time here um <laughs> and i wouldn't have you know i i kind of think that at some point the market's going to catch up i did not seek this out my model highlighted this as a, as a play virginia getting two and a half hosting miami um i would not have picked this out my model really likes virginia's defense for some reason um, and that's in a vacuum before we're talking about going against whatever Mario has made of this um, Hurricanes offense. So two and a half, um, I grabbed it. Um, it would be nice to get three. You and I have a little different feelings on that, but I'll take two and a half. I'm also playing very small bet on, on Virginia Moneyline as well. Yeah, this is an interesting one for me. I like... Cause this is now three weeks, basically. I think we had, what, seven and a half with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech covered, but mm-hmm. Miami did win that game. I think they won by exactly seven or seven or six. I can't remember. Duke last week, Miami was 10-point favorites, didn't cover, lost outright. We're slowly seeing these spreads come in on this Miami team. Like, th- can I can I pause you there? Yeah. Uh, if you go back further, <laughs> the week before that was North Carolina, which I had as a play. Mm-hmm. Um, the week before that, I think both of our models had this, and we just kind of said, "Ah, I don't know." That was the Middle Tennessee game. I remember I bet Middle Tennessee. I, I took that. I took that money line. <laughs> so that was yeah, that was the one. So again, so this is so what they're what Owen whatever against the spread. Oh, go back further because before that was the debacle at College Station. 
Hey, yes. you lost to Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, they lost that one too. We we were on Miami in that game, but then they lost. Yes. So they are on a one, two, three, four, five, five game losing streak against the spread. At least, yeah. That's yeah. I, but the thing is, though, like at this point, though, when you're when you're only when you're laying two, there's not much other. There's not much room left there, though, right? Like that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like I I don't hate the play, but at the same time, it's it's kind of close. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, next up for me, another short dog or another kind of short dog, short favorite, Cincinnati plus one money line at UCF. I, I don't trust this UCF quarterback at all. Um, wow. I, I don't know why we're like, I, I don't hate the Cincinnati team. I don't hate the Cincinnati quarterback. I feel like there was basically a, it was basically a backdoor cover last week by SMU. So I, I, I'm going to try Cincinnati again. I Let's see what Cincinnati can do this week. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering why my model doesn't have that. I think it goes back to, like I mentioned in part one, the the Cincy offense um, is is just kind of below average. But I, boy, I love that matchup of the Cincy defense against John Rice Plumley. Absolutely, that's got to be good for a pick six, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my next one. Um, Louisiana Tech at FIU. FIU, I don't know if they're still at eight. I think I've seen this down to like, my guy has like the six and a half now. Yeah, it is six and a half. I grabbed yeah. this on, I want to say Sunday at eight and a half. So I got eight and a half and I got money nice. line too. So I'm I'm, I'm I'm locked and ready to go on, on, on Friday night. Um, but yeah, I, I love this bet. I think this, uh, Louisiana Tech is not a good team. Why are they, lay, why were they laying eight and a half? Like, Why? I think there's a lot of last year baked in. And FIU had a really rough start to the season. Um, it wouldn't be the first time we're ahead of the market on this. Um, Mike McIntyre got a Narduzzi at the at the top of this part. Mm-hmm. Or no, 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 no. Sorry. He got the un-Narduzzi at the, the end of part yeah. one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, my model doesn't have this as particularly close. And I got the money line too. Mm-hmm. Next up for me... Um bit of an odd one here. Um, actually, it's up to 13 and a half now, but I still don't hate the play. Uh, Arizona State minus 13, 13 and a half against Colorado. Um, Colorado beat Cal. Great. Good for them. I They're not a good team. This is still a problem. Great. You had one like kind of cathartic win. Congratulations to you. This Arizona team is actually, the Arizona State team has actually been not bad. And even though they're, Bear lost to Stanford last week. It's not particularly bad either. So give me, uh, give me Arizona State here. I think they can they can definitely cover against a Colorado team that's they got their win. They're like, hey, we're not horrible. Now we can go back to being horrible. We're, we're yeah, good they they left no doubt of that last week too. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I've got a couple of SEC overplays now for a guy who loves to play unders and actually had a deeper dive on unders. Um, this is, I'll, I'll put it this way. My overs were still in beta testing and I've gotten, you know, season and a half now kind of where I think I'm at proof of concept. Arkansas at Auburn, I have that over 61. Don't know if that's moved since I grabbed it. And then Florida, Georgia, I have over 56 and a half. Um, Arkansas's offense is, is totally different with KJ Jefferson there. Their defense stinks like we talked about in, I think that was in part one. Um, so bad that I think Auburn can probably run the ball and actually score quite a bit here. 
Florida, Georgia, I think this is as much a play. You know, I guess this pops on my radar because Georgia's offense is very good and probably um, a little bit underrated. And I think their defense is good, but not nearly as good as people think. And maybe maybe this is really good Anthony Richardson game. Or maybe this is Anthony Richardson has a really silly turnover that leads to an easy touchdown. Um, I can see either of them going uh, ha- happening. So um, two of these uh, SEC games going over. I wish you could bet on, like, odds of a pick six. Like, could you bet, like, Anthony Richardson over over 0.5 pick sixes, like, two to one, plus 250? I'd do that. And parlaying it with, like, 100 yards rushing, too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just imagine. Um, yeah, I'm not... I, that, that's, what did you say for the over Georgia-Florida? 56 and a half? Yeah, 56 and a half. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's... And then the... Arkansas Auburn is sixty one and a half similar, okay. but yeah, KJ Jefferson's out right for. No, he's playing. Oh, he's playing. Okay. Yeah, he had a really good game against BYU last week. Uh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, for my uh last play, this one gets a little ugly, and actually, I got close. I've got some closing line value today. Rutgers plus fourteen and a half at Minnesota. It's now down to fourteen. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's ugly. Yeah. And that's what we get this time of year, basically, right? Yeah, but like, I I don't think this Rutgers team is that bad, and I don't think this Minnesota team is that good. Like, they've got injuries. Minnesota yeah. does, and then bad do, injuries. What do we have? Like, what's the track record of Minnesota being a good team this year? Right? Like, is it literally just like, oh, okay, they crushed New Mexico State? Well, that's hang the banner for that. Um, they. <laughs> Crushed Colorado forty nine to seven, beat Michigan State thirty four to seven. Nothing particularly impressive. Lost by ten points to a Purdue team that got crushed by Wisconsin. Got beat relatively bad badly by Illinois, a team with back a quarterback, and then got beat pretty badly by Penn State. Like it's looking like their first four wins of the season were against four pitiful teams, in like New Mexico, Colorado, and Michigan State, and then they play some half decent teams and they lose. I don't like this Rutgers team's a little frisky. I don't think you want to be laying 14 and a half with a team that's a little frisky. Like that's two full scores. Like that's yeah. three sco- like three scores and I don't I don't see them stacking that up and I think uh, Rutgers can score on them. Frisky and I think they will take the air out of the ball and I think Minnesota has always been happy to take the air out of the ball and especially with um I don't think uh, Morgan is back yet. Um their quarterback and I, I don't think I think Ottman Bell is out, and I think Ibrahim is out. You know, basically anybody that you kind of remembered that ever played for Minnesota is out. Um, their quarterback is named Ethan, which is a first for me. Nathan, without the leading end, um, he had some pretty brutal numbers last week. And Rutgers' defense is, I think, sneaky good, and Shiana's a good defensive coach. Um, yeah, I don't know if Rutgers wins this, but it's hard to see Minnesota winning by three scores here. Really yeah. hard. I like I, that. With with uh, with with Ethan or Athan, <laughs> uh, in there, I actually have his even. So. Yep. So makes sense. Because my what my what I do for my model now is, 
I basically look back at who did the most passing yards for your team or who did the most passing attempts for your team last week. And then I punch them in for the, for the projections for this week. Cause instead, cause it's better. It's cause it, that way I don't, I don't like, cause at that point I'm not going to look through like the stat sheet every week for every single college football team to figure out who it is. I just have it automatically do it. So mm-hmm. this way I'm not, I'm not stuck with stats from a quarterback who's like been benched or is out for the year or something. So, or, Sometimes you never find out, like we talked about in part one, the mysterious Jack Sapolek just disappeared from Western Michigan. Yeah, no no idea why. Maybe he was abducted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my last one, when you're talking about rough plays at this time of the year, I really like, kind of kind of weird to say it out loud, UConn getting eight and a half at home against Boston College. Um, this has probably moved since I've, I've, I've bet that. I'm, Seven and a half now, but yeah. still not a bad play, though. Yeah. Well, I got eight and a half, guys, so... I don't know. Maybe I should tweet out my plays earlier. This, this is the Battle of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, well, Connecticut's not. Oh, you're right. It would be the yeah. The, they border each other. The border, so they can... border war. The Battle of the Northeast. Yes. Are there any other? There's got to be another Northeast team in the um, in, in Division One. Syracuse-ish. Uh, I guess technically, I guess Rutgers is. Maybe no. Come on. Well, they're you, they're south of Syracuse. You can't. Well, okay, I guess Rutgers is south of of Penn State, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it depends how you define the Northeast. If you try to use the North, like the definition of the Northeast by U.S. states, or like just the feeling of the Northeast, yeah. Or like, cause yeah, cause this is a in, in for U.S. politics, it's a big thing. Like, what's the Northeast? And it's like. I just pick all the blue states that are in the Northeast. I'm like, these are the, this is the Northeast. Like, I'm like, yeah, Virginia is a Northeast state kind of sometimes. So, <laughs> but like, that's not really Northeast. So. But. I think if we say, if it's, you know, you think of the, the, the classic fall foliage, it would just be BC and Connecticut. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So then, okay. So this is the, the battle of the Northeast. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. And then um, if you follow me on Twitter or if you don't, you should at Buck metrics, B U C K. Metrics, I will tweet out sometime. I don't have any plays until um, Friday, and I already gave you guys FIU, but I will tweet out probably sometime on Friday my plays. Uh, last week did pretty good against the spread 2-2, two and two, 16 and 12 for the season. Money line 2-2, two and two, but we won almost two units. Uh, interestingly, we're 9-11 and 11 on the season on money line plays, but we're up three 3.6 units on just 20 units played because we've had some really nice long shots there. And unders, my favorite bet... To make it clear again, um, one and zero, bringing us to eight and two on unders for the season, and I'm going to, as I gave out some plays, give out overs for the first time this season as well. Nice. All right, should I cover the uh, games sure. where both models say go? Go ahead. So last week these went three and three, uh, very impressive, twenty two and thirteen on the season. Interesting. Um, I think we've covered most of these. UConn hosting BC, I like that spreads, even if it's seven and a half. I have um, UConn as a basically a four-point favorite. You've got this pretty much even. So both our models like this one. Sneaking this one in, um, I kind of just applied my methodology to your what your um, model says. And I'm getting that Nebraska-Illinois under 51 and a half as a play also. I have the total at 45 and a half and if i've got a margin of five and a great defense 
which I do have in Illinois, especially for the road team, even better, that's a play. So I've got the total at 45 and a half. You've got the total even lower at um, 36. So your model likes this better than I do. Uh, and I like this one. Um, another one of my plays, um, FIU against Louisiana Tech. I've got FIU about three and a half points better. You have FIU 18 points better than Louisiana Tech. Um, strong signals here. No wonder you grabbed that on Sunday. Yeah, that was... Money line too, huh? Yeah, I looked at that. I'm like, yep, all right. Uh, just going to grab that immediately. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh... And to be fair, actually, I wasn't looking at that one specifically. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely had Florida International as the favorite. That's That's why I grabbed that one so fast. Oh, and uh, we talked about this. Another one of my plays, Virginia getting two and a half at home. I have them as about a six-point favorite. You've got them as about a touchdown favorite. So definitely a play there. Lastly, um, this was not uh, either of our picks. Um, I think I bet this one. I, I was about to check. Uh, Western Kentucky has given nine and a half to North Texas at home. I've got. We both have this about a 17-point game. So play for both of our models there. Yeah, it's interesting. Western Kentucky, I, I bet them last week, the minus two and a half. They cashed that for me. That was nice. Um, I don't know. It's a bit of an odd... I'm, I probably will find myself betting on against North Texas. Um, but I think it could be... Uh, I, I think Western Western Kentucky is the better team there. So I think maybe we're... Again, when you see something like that, like we, we're, we're like saying, yeah, it's about like three, score, three scores better. You're getting two-ish kind of like one and a half scores. I think that's, there's some value there. So yeah. So that will about, that does it for us for this week. Um, obviously you can check out part one for a recap of, of week eight. This has been part two for our plays of the week. And you will obviously be back next week um, with, with, with a recap of week nine and our plays for week 10. Thank you everybody. See you soon.